Welcome to the Property Experts Podcast, where you'll find open conversations, no bullshit attitudes, and deep dive insights from award-winning property developers and business owners, Ben Richards and Jack Jiggins. Together, they've delivered over 40 million in gross development value over the last five years and have a pipeline of over 25 million to deliver in the next 18 months. They've built numerous other seven-figure businesses with six-figure net profits around their property ecosystem, and it's by no means been an easy ride. So on this podcast, they'll share their weekly trials and tribulations running multiple businesses, giving you never before seen insights into the inner workings of finding, funding, designing, delivering, and selling award-winning property deals, together with golden nuggets of advice through the five key areas of any business, marketing, sales, operations, finance, and talent. If you're a young entrepreneur looking to get started or have a small team, but you're looking to scale your business to the next level, this is the No Bullshit Podcast for you. Hello, everyone, and thanks once again for joining myself and Ben Richards, our Live at Five, every Friday, where we're sharing the highs and lows and woes of running multiple businesses, service-based businesses, property development businesses, and investment companies. And today, we've got a jam-packed agenda, which we hope you would love and enjoy. So for podcast listeners, it's the 10th of November. But as far as the agenda goes, we've been talking about our site in North London, Muswell Hill. I think it's been on the agenda for three weeks now to see if we complete it. We will be sharing the news on that. The advantages of having an ecosystem built around companies in the same sector or complementary companies will be going into our businesses and how they complement each other. Tips and gadgets for your social media and site tools. Refinance woes. Uh, We've had some absolute, well, predominant delays on a lot of our sites and, and we'll be sharing about maybe some tips how to try and shorten those delays because they are inevitable when there's solicitors involved. Water leak, delaying a sales on one of our sites, why you should do a disk profile uh, for candidates that you're potentially interviewing into your company. Poker, property and prolific people, a podcast that Ben has recorded and has been uh, released and also I had the privilege of recording uh, as well with Tom. Turning down work or saying no, I think this is a massive key one. And, and there's, I think there's, in every business, there's an element of us turning down business. So we'll be going into how we analyze that and why we would say no to business. XP Property website redesign as it needed a bit of a touch up. And then email hacks as I am currently in sunny Mexico, sat in a nice villa, which is about six meters from the beach. And I have set up a bit of a process to manage my emails uh, while I've been away. So I'll be sharing our top tricks for that. So stay around for that. Nice. Hello, everyone. So like Jack said, it may even have been four weeks that we've had this on the agenda. Our Muswell Hill um, project was due to complete at the, I think it was the 10th, yeah, 10th of October, I believe. But we can happily say that we have now completed, get the champagne out. Um, I said to everyone after it completed that it was not really an exciting moment. It was more of a relief moment than anything and i'm sure people in the property industry can relate to that because it's often you know you just want to get it over the line sometimes and you know you should be really thrilled about it and it doesn't sink in for a couple of weeks because the initial relief just takes over but super happy to get this one over the line we've got planning approval for converting a large pair of semis into nine flats in muswell hill and we will be doing a deep dive on that project very very soon we put the vote out to you guys as listeners and you chose Muswell Hill as the next deep dive episode that we do. So 
yeah, things are really trundling along on that. Um, the detailed design package is pretty much complete now. We had a conversation with the structural engineer this morning. The strip out works are due to start in the next couple of weeks, and we should be on site in January to to kick things off and start the process moving on that. So yeah, super yeah. happy. If you've got any questions about that project, do comment below. Yeah, I just wanted to share a bit of uh, my acquisitions analogy with everyone. That I see a transaction as almost like a machine where the well, the less friction there is between all the parties, the more likely the deal is going to go through. So you've obviously got selling agents, seller, buyer, solicitor, whatever it may be, and that, that sort of trajectory of line. And the, the more aligned of everyone's expectations, that's price, timeframes, the more aligned that is, the more likely the deal is going to go through. And we're in an industry where quite a few deals do fall through. It's about one in three. And I, I believe that you know we've had delays, and that is okay, providing that you're transparent, you manage expectations, you prove you're doing what you need to be doing, you bring the right relative people in that might not have the same expectations as you and manage those. And that, you know the, the, the more acute you get that, expectation level across everyone the more likely the deal isn't going to fall through at the last hurdle when you've done all the hard work and then the agents got full you know fed up because they don't think it's going to happen or potentially the buyer or the, the seller has, has a similar feeling so from a transaction perspective i think we've been managing expectations with our investor with the seller with the selling agent with our solicitors trying to give them a nudge on to get them in the right direction but we finally got there which is like ben said a relief more so than a champagne bottle called yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Um, so on to point two, um, where we wanted to have a quick chat about our ecosystem because this week something quite funny happened, to be fair. Aura, not too long ago, worked with a client doing a, a pre-app and looking at a design of a commercial unit in Reading, which had potential conversion to sort of five units and, and retained some commercial on the ground floor. Anyway, one of our XP team picked up a, a brochure from a sales agent uh, that forwarded it on to them with this particular project. Aura dealt with that project probably six months ago. The owner had clearly decided to kind of put it back on the market. And actually one of our team in XP was now looking at the potential purchase of that property. Now, why we bring the ecosystem into that is that we now have a massive advantage over everyone else looking to purchase that property because Aura already have all of the history with what would normally be a pre-app process that you know, you wouldn't be able to get sight on because the client might not want to sort of divulge such information, for example. But because Aura did the drawing work, we have the full background and history on the planning officer's views on what the potential is. So having that ecosystem where, you know, Aura did the work, XP are now picking this up with a huge advantage over anyone else looking to bid on that property is massive. The other thing that sort of filters down in our ecosystem is the fact that XP surveys also did the survey information, survey data. So any new buyer potentially coming in, normally a um, seller won't normally give the, the measured survey information, something they've paid their hard cash for, to the new buyer. So in that regard, if we were to win the bid, win the project, you know, we've not only got the insight from a planning perspective, We've also got the hard you know, DWG and survey information to use as well because one of our own companies within our ecosystem did it. Um, and this isn't the first time that, that this type of thing's happened. We've um, offered on a project, we've missed out, and a week later, uh, uh, inquiries come through to XP surveys to then survey that land with the new potential buyer, which, you know, one, we've got a direct link then into the new buyer to open conversations about potential joint ventures or what are your plans with it? You know, Can we buy it off you or work with you? 
and all that sort of stuff. So yeah, having this kind of vertical integration between XP surveys, or architecture, XP property, and then sort of central suites with the property management. You know, th- these are just some of the key benefits of having that ecosystem in place. Yeah, it's probably worthwhile touching on actually how we set up XP surveys as well, Ben, because I feel a lot of our listeners are property developers and property investors. And one of the hardest things, in, my, in our opinions, is, is cash flowing a development company. And a lot of people move from a service-based business into development and go, oh, why wasn't I doing this sooner? Why was I worrying about running clients' jobs or, or products or whatever, or services or whatever it may be? But the service-based business is great for your own income, your own sort of security, your own mortgage and, and that cash flow so that the development company can be more sporadic with lumpier outgoings and ingoings and structured finance around that, that SPVs. And that sort of touches on exactly how we set up XP surveys across all of the businesses that you can see on the screen here, apart from XP Survey, so before it was born. So that's Aura Architecture, XP Property, our social business, and Central Suites. We were paying a measured building surveyor more than an annual salary for a measured building surveyor. So it was very easy for us to fold that business in, hire a full-time measured building surveyor. They're probably doing a day or two uh, a week for us. And that was Oscar, who's now our lead surveyor. And it just meant that it was fairly risk-free. You know, we're, we're either making a saving in the other businesses or we're covering our costs in the new business. Obviously, you do have other growth problems about expanding beyond that. And I think our sort of internal referral business is probably only 10 to 15%. And then mine and Ben's network is probably another 10 to 15%, which obviously helps, again, leaning on the ecosystem. But it just it helps get the ball rolling, get the branding going, get the first employee in place to sort of make those I suppose errors and but you know start getting those teething problems ironed out to start to grow a successful service-based business or equally something else in the ecosystem yeah nice just touching on the podcast very quickly if you are listening thank you very much if you're not um, signed up to the property experts podcast on spotify apple um, Castbox, amazon music for example um, we've had a big surge since we announced this last week. We announced that we just hit 500 listens on Spotify alone. That's up to over 700 now. So we're really gaining traction on that. And effectively, at the moment, the um, XP, the Property Experts podcast is kind of a repeat of these Friday lives, just condensed, you know, removing all of the ums, the ahs, and all the um, jargon and stuff that um, you don't go, you don't need to necessarily listen to, like I've just done there. So yeah, it's a really consolidated listen for your, you know, your train journey, your commute in the car, you know, listening whilst you're, you're out for a jog. And we've had some really great feedback from, from that platform. So if you're not on the podcast platform yet, do follow us there. If you want to have a look at some of the stuff that we talk about, head over to YouTube and subscribe on there. Because obviously with the stuff that we're talking about on the podcast, it's difficult to maybe visualize some of the things that we are talking about. Whereas on YouTube, we can visually show you all the projects that we're working on so you can get a, a real good vision of what what they entail and on to you know things that you can look at and see yesterday both my marketing manager and our, our marketing um, assistant in xp did a site tour day so literally we're out from nine o'clock to, to five o'clock yesterday visiting four of xp property sites if you follow or architecture on youtube you'd have seen a lot of the site tours that we do most of the site tours that we've done up to now have been with private residential clients so looking at individual homes that we've extended and transformed and you know they look really swish so if you you don't follow or architecture head over there now and, and subscribe but on xp property as well we have site tours of our projects um you know educational stuff these lives to give sort of feedback and insight into what life is like as a property developer and business owner in the uk 
over on Aura, we haven't done much of the property development site tours. So yesterday was all about going to visit four of XPs, getting a, a good insight into how we designed them, what planning permission pains we had, um, some of the construction details, some of the ways in which we've added value for clients, reduced build costs. And I just wanted to give a very quick overview of some of the gadgets, gizmos, and kind of tips that I would have for you guys if you're looking to do more site tours on your um, projects. Obviously, social media is massive nowadays in gaining investment, in gaining um, opportunities, and we're trying to take full advantage of that. So we use a couple of things that I'm showing on the screen. So we've got an SLR camera, which obviously sort of 4K footage. We connect that onto a gimbal stabilizer. So to get that kind of real streamlined flow through a building without the people sort of walking up and down with the camera, you need something that can stabilize your camera. So a, a gimbal does that. And we've also got a, a gimbal stabilizer for iPhone. So what we would often do is record in landscape with the SLR, and then we will record in vertical portrait mode for reels, shorts, you know, all of that kind of social media content um, that you want to film, be filming in, in vertical format, 16 by 9. And then in terms of audio, we use things like the uh, sort of Rode wireless lapel mics. So you have one receiver connected to your camera, and then obviously the person talking wears one of these on their person. So yeah, all of these things and gadgets, we'll put a link in the description for you know what we've used. We find them really, really good pieces of kit and the audio and the video footage uh, quality has massively improved since we've been using this. So yeah, we're really happy with it and we'll put the links in the description below. And if you've got any comments on, on how we do that, that process, then do let us know. The second piece that I wanted to talk about is a platform called Munch. And I believe it's getmunch.co.uk. And it's effectively an AI-generated video snippet tool. So effectively, all you do is upload the main video, and it will then, using AI, effectively kind of read the transcript, pick out things that it thinks is a good thing to talk about, and then repurpose that video into the various formats that you need for social media. So TikTok, a, you know, an Instagram reel, it will pull all of that information from the video. It will add captions like you see you know, a lot of social media people sort of do now and try to give you sort of five or six different formats, sort of chopping up the original footage into smaller bite-sized pieces that you can use in your, in your social media campaigns. And it's done at a click of a button. It is literally, you know, this is the sort of thing that you might have paid 400 pounds to a video editor to do for you and it's done in a matter of you know minutes as opposed to hours so yeah get munch i'm sure there are other platforms that do this but this is the one that we've been using and it just saves so much time so do check that out probably worth saying ben just before you do roll onto that i know a very prolific video blogger video editor and he's actually done away with all his slr recordings and he's just got the new iphone which which can record in 4k um, so if you go in your video settings you can actually record in 4k so don't look at this and think god oh, i've got to spend the best part of a thousand or two thousand pounds to start getting some good content out there but i would believe that you should just start getting something out there even if it's of lower quality but to start to build that sort of presence that experience make your errors as it were but also you know a good a good smartphone nowadays is, is what some of the you know leading social um, influencers influ yeah Influencers, influencers are, are using. Yeah, nice. Yeah, good tip. 
Cool. Tip number four is about refinancing woes. Very stressful week this week. And, you know, it, it happens from time to time. But when there's you know, lots of money at stake and things aren't going quite your way and there are delays that are to a certain degree out of your control, it's very, very frustrating. But these things do happen. I just wanted to touch on this point with the HM sort of land registry process, because I think what we've learned out of these delays is a lot more about how the actual process works. So when we buy a property, um, you know, the TR1 sort of title registration form gets sent off the land registry, all of the title plans and the title information and the information provided is then checked by HM land registry. Now, there's huge delays in them registering ownership of properties and land titles at the moment. And the issue with that is exactly what's happened on this project. We bought the property in January. The solicitors raised an expedited request to land registry to expedite the process of registering the land. But it wasn't until September that they raised requisitions on the application. And what that means is they've spent the time reviewing the land title and the information provided, but they believe there are inconsistencies, there are issues, there are things that haven't been completed that need to be sorted out by the the relevant solicitors. So what's happened here is we've waited effectively eight to nine months for land registry to even look at the application, and now they have queries. And those queries now have to be dealt with. The issue that we've got is that we were on effectively a nine-month bridge on the particular project. And what's sort of become apparent is that the requisitions haven't been dealt with in time, which is really putting the pressure on our refinance because our new lender who's coming in to give us development finance will not redeem the original bridging loan until all of these registry processes have been dealt with at land registry. So putting huge amounts of pressure on us, huge amounts of costs at stake if we go into default on various loans and effectively causing a lot of stress. So yeah, that's the process that typically happens with with HM Land Registry. We weren't necessarily aware that that there could be these issues and delays. So certainly something we've learned over the past couple of weeks. And um, you know, I, w- I would massively advocate completely getting to the bottom with your solicitor exactly what this process is and how it can be how it can play out. So I think maybe we put too much trust in our solicitor thinking they would be doing what they should be doing and not getting on top of them quickly enough to resolve the issues in good time. So, yeah, I mean, it's a constant message from a lot of these Q&As where we say to keep on top of your solicitors and really push them because, you know, they need it. They're meant to be looking after your best endeavours, but often they're inundated with work and overworked and they they potentially need the help of you pushing them in the right direction. If you're excited by some of the property developments or investments that we talk about on this show and want to know more about investing £100,000 or more with XP, email info at xpproperty.co.uk to set up a call with one of our team. We can discuss our open investment opportunities and provide you with our track record details showing with complete transparency our historic performance project by project and how you could be part of our growing pipeline of developments. Cool. On to um, just an update on the water leak and Sunset Court and where we're at in that that process. So the images that you see on the screen, the photo at the top is of a very nice uh, furnished bedroom, which was completely finished. 
if you tuned into our episode about four or five weeks ago, you'd have found out that when the Thames water connections were made, new connections, unfortunately, a bath tap was left open and wasn't found for 24 hours. And the flat had you know, a good half an inch of water in it, which is extremely frustrating. We're now having to go in and rectify all of those, you know, that, that leak and that damage. We've had to rip up all the carpets, rip out all the skirting, let it dry out for a number of weeks. By this time, we should have completed on the sale of this flat. And now we're having issues and delays with the, um, with the new buyers. And it's causing us, again, delays, more money, more cost. We're spending about four to five thousand pounds a month, uh, a week, sorry, on, on interest payments uh, on, this, on this asset. So the more delays that happen, the more cost it is to us and um, the more stressful it becomes. But, you know, just on a positive note, we've completed one of the um, six purchases or sales. We've got one which is this particular project that should complete we're hoping still by the end of november we've just had a reservation fee paid for house number one to get that over the line probably in the new year Um, and unfortunately unit four fell through so we are back on the market with that one so at the moment we only have three either completed or under offer and the sales market is definitely getting a bit more tricky so we're doing everything we can to kind of put new impetus onto the sales of these. We've actually offered to pay for all bills for the first two years, electricity bills, but for any new buyers. Um, and we have reduced the price of uh, two of the sales, as, uh, two of the properties as well. So fingers crossed we start to see some traction on that. Cool. Disc profiling. Now, some of you might not know what this is, but effectively it's a series of sort of multiple choice questions You know, where you say you sort of agree, you strongly agree, you disagree, you strongly disagree about certain key phrases. And, and what that allows you to do or, or the, the software allows you to do is profile the, the mindset and the culture and basically profile the person into these four areas. So dominance, influence, steadiness, and sort of conscientiousness. And we've not done this before in Aura, but we decided in this round of recruitment, so recruiting for a new architect to join the team, and we thought we'd add in another layer of the interview process because I didn't think that our process was robust enough. We've had to make a couple of you know key decisions to kind of fire people in the last year. And looking back, we probably could have been a little bit more proactive in the recruitment process to maybe decide whether that person is right for our business at the time. So yeah, disc profiling is a great way of understanding really what is the person like in in the core because we interviewed two candidates for the role a couple of weeks ago. And actually the feedback that Graham sort of gave me after that interview with that person, their disc profiling was actually almost the opposite. Like one of one of those people were more shy, more reserved. One of the other ones one of the the other person was a bit more sort of forthcoming. But actually, their disc profiling was almost the opposite. So, you know, some people do better in interviews than others. Using disc profiling kind of allows you to get to the core of who that person is and whether they'd be good for for the role. So, if you've got a salesperson and a sales role that you're you're bringing in, you probably don't want someone that's like super steady, you know, even tempered and patient. And you know, you want somebody in that like D profiling where it's more like they're direct, they're results orientated, they're you know they're kind of forceful in their approach. You know that's very salesy. Whereas if you've got a business admin person that's very much customer focused and taking phone calls and creating quotes and things like that, you want someone that is more kind of 
accommodating and um, tactful and patient and sort of systematic with their approach. So yeah, disk profiling is a great way of doing that. If you use it in your business, I'd love to know your kind of, you know, how it's worked for you or if it has worked for you. But I'm really excited to kind of use this going forward with new recruits down the line. It's also worth pointing out that even if you're not in a recruitment phase of your business, you can still do the disk profiling to understand who does what in the business and, and are they in the right space for that. Uh, we've touched on a few episodes ago of company reviews and staff reviews where we sit down, a member of the team, ask them what they do, enjoy and don't enjoy. What you will find is the things that they enjoy complement their disk profile and the things they don't enjoy don't complement their disk profile. Like Ben said, a shy person doing outbound cold calls doesn't tend to enjoy that particular role. Um, so it's also good to do it on your existing team to make sure that you're getting the best out of them and they're get, enjoying their, their role as much as they can. Some jobs no one likes, and that's just the nature of calling utility companies or whatever it may be. But um, it's very, it's yeah. very. Good point. I, I did do this with all of the, um, you know, current Aura team about eighteen months ago, and it's very, it was fascinating to see actually kind of some you know, responses and where maybe you could be pushing them into different areas that you maybe haven't tested them in because they do enjoy that and they probably would be good at it. So it really, yeah, you know, it's a great way of assessing both existing employees actually sort of profiling new ones as well so yeah very good won't touch too much on this but um if you're interested in poker property um, business property investment i had a really good chat with tom bolan um, who operates the prolific people uh, youtube channel he's interviewed a lot of property investors and property developers jack did an interview with him um earlier this week as well which i'm sure will be out probably next week or the week after out next week next week perfect um but yeah tom tom's a great guy he's got a really interesting background he's actually in sort of asset management and sort of investment full-time and he's now doing this as almost a side hustle looking to kind of get into more property investing and property development so yeah, interviewed some really interesting stories a few things that we discussed um we talked about the similarities between poker and property and if you want to understand you know, why they are similar head over to listen to um to the podcast um we talked about building businesses that can work without you in it Effectively, that's what I sort of started Aura to do, to try and build a business that was a profitable business that didn't require my day-to-day input, which I know a lot of service providers like architects, structural engineers, surveyors really find that difficult to remove themselves from the day-to-day, which is effectively what they've trained for. We talked about whether you can actually have passive income or not. Head over and find out what my answer was on that. Uh, It's quite negative. And then talk about some of the risks of property development, which I think a lot of people overlook. And I think you'll get a lot of value out of sort of understanding and some of the history and experience that, that we've had over the last five years to set you up for, for success, really, and, and set you up to understand the, the true risks of property development, which are much higher than I would say in a, a sort of property investment route. So head over and uh, check out the Prolific Property Podcast. Point number eight is about saying no to new business. And this this came up this week because um, somebody rang me who, he's a builder, he's done actually quite a lot of work for us. And he rang me saying, look, Ben, I've got a client. They've got a block of nine flats in Northwest London. They're not shifting on the market so that the owner wants to potentially turn them into HMOs. Can you help? Here's the floor plans. What do you think? And I looked at the floor plans and I spoke to him. And the more I was talking, the more of a sense of, this is one of those jobs that we will spend a lot of time and effort on. We won't get remunerated as much as we should do. It's probably going to be 
you know, one of those projects that you quote for and they take a lot more of your time up. And I just said, no, from an aura perspective, it's a real detour from our main goal in the, in the business. And it felt like it was, I want to focus on what we are very good at. And this was a type of client and type of project that although, you know, may have brought in some money to the business, I could just see it going in a way where it probably wouldn't have been profitable. It would have sapped our time. It would have sapped a lot of our kind of headspace away from the things that we are very, very good at. And I haven't done enough of this in the past. And it was at the point on the phone call that I said, look, I'm actually really sorry, but I don't think we can take this any further. It's not something we are in a position to do right now. And I effectively turned away the business. And I'm super happy that I did because I knew how it was going to play out. And I think the right decision for the business was to say no. And historically, it's been too easy to say, yeah, sure, we'll give that a go. I'll pass it on to one of the team and the team can crack on and you know, it's some money into the business and it's revenue. And But actually, I, I know how it would have played out. And I said no. And I, I kind of wished that I'd done that more on previous ventures so it's not easy to do but i think sometimes it is absolutely the best thing for you as a business to just turn around and say it's not our key goal we're on a mission to do x y and z this is not part of that therefore sorry but you'll have to find someone else to do it i think um relating that to a development company xp property have a very very strict criteria that we'll only consider schemes within two hours of Oxfordshire and we will only consider schemes between sort of five and 40 units and we will only consider schemes that return a minimum of £200,000 net profit per annum to our business. So that's like a GDP of about £2 million in the sort of size of the schemes that we deliver. So understanding those thresholds so it is easier and quicker to say no. And it, even with XB surveys, we know what our minimum survey value needs to be for us to take it on and bring it in-house. So Maybe maybe do an exercise if you're a service-based business, go away and think what's the minimum sort of size ticket that you can do and what's the maximum size ticket, then you've got your sweet spot. And equally for a development company, uh, what size comes too much? And knowing what is too much is uh, a lot more valuable than, than just saying yes to everything. The first deal that I ever bought was actually in Birmingham. Uh, and that's why we have a very strict criteria on not going two hours north of... Uh, <laughs> They have to say that one. That one didn't go so well. Nope. Cool. So yeah, our, our website is being redesigned by um, Oliver at Property Branding. And if you want an intro, Tim, let us know. I've just shared the same thing, which I was not meant to do. I was meant to share something else. And it's starting to look really smart. It, it's been a real eye opener, I think, for us as a business actually to think about what we want to present to the market, how we want to present it, and actually. Think about what do we really need as a business? Like it's all well and good having a bright, you know, a shiny, shiny website with what you do and how you do it and you know about us and all that sort of stuff. But it made us really think about okay, who are we really targeting? Who is our avatar client? And the reality is, for our business, the only thing we really need is investment. We have plenty of opportunities, we have a good pipeline, but the reality is we we need we always need more funds to kind of deploy into our our ventures so we've now sort of taken that and streamlined the approach on our website this is how it's looking i think it it very much kind of appeals more so now to sort of investors 
as opposed to what previously looked like a bit of a you know, a small builder type website. Oh, here's some projects that we've done. Here's a little bit about us. Whereas now our, our main focus is how do we reach new investment partners? How do we show our skills and expertise in the industry? Uh, and that's really, I think, what's starting to become apparent in this new yeah. new website. And how do we make easy reading and easy sort of hang time for our avatar, uh, which Ben's pointed out is our investor. It's really key to think of the, who your avatar is and does this read for them. Yeah. Yeah, so super excited to get that get that live, which I think will probably be in the next two weeks. We, we've now done that wireframe the wireframe baseline. So once we've agreed all of the the arrangement where everything's going to go and the copy and the various images that go going to go into it, that will then get put into WordPress, which is the web platform, and all the animations and everything will get you know start will start to come together. So yeah, watch this space for the next couple of weeks. Cool. Last but not very least, and this hopefully won't be, won't be a too long one, but um, as mentioned at the beginning of the call, I am currently in, in Tulum in Mexico. And a week ago, I flew to San Diego, uh, Southern California, which means that I would be eight hours behind England. And if anyone has seen how many emails I get during an hour, it's not a pleasant sight to wake up eight hours behind everyone else uh, and have everyone trying to attack you via emails. So basically... I had a process internally anyway, but I sort of rethought it and redid the process given that we've got a new uh, office manager who's joined, who's Christina. And we basically come up with a bit of a strategy of how to manage my email inbox to one, make sure that the main thing is to make sure that the most important, urgent tasks get done first. Because when you've got 300 emails in your inbox, it's hard to find them sometimes. And then secondly, it's just sort of condense them so that they're in the right files for the right attention at the right time. So the way that we've orchestrated it is, and we use Gmail, but you can do this with Microsoft as well, is we've set up subfolders. So that's uh, whatever it may mean to you. So acquisitions, uh, we obviously get a lot of emails to our info address, which goes straight into my inbox and dilute the, the actual emails that go in direct to me. So I've set an immediate filter. So when that comes into my inbox, it doesn't stay in my inbox. It goes directly to that subfolder. There's other ones where we can drag and drop emails into no action required, reply within one week, reply within two weeks, urgent reply within one day. And then we've got that for myself, and then we've got that for Christina as well. So if I think Christina's capable of replying, I'll pull it into her folder. If I think she needs to unsubscribe something, I'll pull that into unsubscribe. If it's something that she urgently needs to reply, we'll pull it into urgent. Some things come in and then they're not necessarily unrelevant marketing, but you might like to read them at some point. So I've made a reading file, but all of these are automated or, or manually automated subfolders so that you can manage your day and go through those tasks effectively. Evidently, while I'm away, I don't really have an agenda to my day. It's not like when I'm in the office, I get in for a coffee, go through my emails before everyone gets in. You know, you are somewhat dictated in how you go about your work by what's come in and what you've got to deal with while you're away. And certainly this definitely does help. So I'd highly recommend that, you know, I've heard the phrase, sharpen your saw before you cut down a tree, because eventually it will save you more time. Um, I did this, I probably spent an hour or two on it, making sure that everything was fine, training Christina up, up a bit on it, equally training myself on getting into this new routine. And it has saved me huge amounts of time, because as you can see there from that screenshot, this was done, you know, while I didn't have an, a busy inbox, but there's 13 emails there that have gone to our info at XP Property email address that weren't actually emailed to me. 
they're emailed into the business. They might be trying to entice us into a new product. It might be for someone else in the team, or it might just be CCing in that email address so everyone can see it. And it might even be from me or Ben or someone else. So even just cutting that amount of emails, which is probably 30% of my inbound emails, automatedly into that folder is a huge time hack and really, really suggested to spend that time up front setting rules in your inbox. I thought that would be useful, and I probably will do a Jack's Hacks more in more detail on the Gmail side of things, but um, just one that we've recently done and thoroughly enjoying, which is weird to enjoy something like that, but there you go. Nice. That, that, that's a good segue to um, Jack's Hacks, which if you haven't uh, seen it on the XP Property YouTube channel, there is a playlist called Jack's Hacks. There's a few in there so far, and if Jack can find some time, I'm sure there'll be plenty more added to that list, but there's some, some cracking ones in there that you know will save you time, will make you more efficient with what you do. And um, yeah, head over to uh, that playlist to check that out. We're always here for, for you effectively. So if you've got any questions within your business that you're really struggling with in your property industry, in your property business, or your service-based businesses, drop them in the comments below. Uh, make sure to subscribe and, and like and and share this with just one person because that's what makes it all worthwhile for us and that's it from this weekend we'll catch up with you next week next friday at 5 p.m thank you everyone thanks very much these live q a episodes are all about helping you grow your business and build a property portfolio that provides financial wealth if you have specific topics that you'd like us to discuss make sure to comment on the platform you're listening on or email info at xpproperty.co.uk so that we can discuss your topic in future episodes and if you found these conversations valuable for growing your business make sure to click that follow button and we'd really love for you to tell just one person about us thank you